Welcome to episode 345 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hello there, Jason. How are you doing today, sir? Doing all right. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, I thought we should. I thought we should open the show with uh, just that comment that you made um, on the last show. What's going on? Oh, that I I was unhappy with my performance. Yeah. yeah I, I I felt like I when I was listening to it, you know, because so so for for listeners, this is essentially what happens. Um, you know, when we're done recording, um, Justin takes care of all of the audio engineering and. Sometimes that can involve quite a bit of, of, uh, of work. And then once he's done with all the levelating and, and removing any kind of uh, bad audio patches or whatever, then he sends it back to me and then I have to write up some show notes and I try and go through some combination of either listening to the show or the show notes themselves, which he, which just recently just started using a transcription service and I can sort of, you know, pour over that, see if I can find any, anything that I've, um, that I didn't notice in the audio. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, that's where the show notes come from. And I spent some time writing those up. But um, I was listening to it, and I was just like, I couldn't believe how fast I was talking and how frequently I didn't even complete a sentence. Like, I would start saying something, and halfway through the sentence, I would literally st- change the sentence. I, like <laughs> terrible. I was just terrible. I, was like, I got a headache. Eventually, I just said I couldn't even do the notes. I was like, I, I give screw it. As I it, just I'm think, out. I mean, I just think we have to blame it on Joe. I mean, because well, no, no, I didn't <laughs> no, say it I'm wasn't kidding. his fault. No, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I did have a poor performance, but it was his fault. No, right? I'm kidding. I it mean, wasn't his fault. That's right. clear. I mean, I think everybody <laughs> understands that. But I mean, yeah. Joe's never been on a show before, and it's never happened before. So, ergo, <laughs> must be Joe's fault, right? <laughs> Pretty clear, high correlation there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I, there's definitely been times where I've monologued and I've talked too fast and I've misspoken and everything like that. And I, it was just like, I felt it was like the worst version of, um, but of I'd me. like to just go a bit deeper. Like, do you think that, um, that like it is because of like lack, like no sleep working so hard, like you haven't had a break, all that kind of stuff. Does that contribute to it? Or was it oh, just yeah, a random was, one? Doug Martin said, Hey, I sounded a little punchy. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, if if it had been a few weeks prior that you could blame it on that, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think, you know what I think it was? I think I had a lot of ideas, a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about, and I was trying to jam it all in. Okay. Right? I was. It was funny. I was talking to Justin Skysek, who works with me on Mathcademy, and um, I told him, I said, oh, it was a terrible show. I said, that was just... <laughs> I was garbage, and uh, and he was listening. He's like, actually, it was one of my favorite episodes in a while. It was entertaining. I was like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, it just sounds like you got, um, you're really passionate. You just got a lot of ideas, and uh, just it's just it's it's you know, and your enthusiasm comes through. I was like, really? He's like, so he liked it better. I thought there were some good parts. I enjoyed what, listening to you and Joe talking about the um, this acyclical stuff. You know, that was good in my opinion. Oh yeah, um, they, I enjoyed yeah, right, that. Right. And we had a good old laugh at the beginning, which I put at the outro. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you, just you in general. Oh, which part? What, what was you, it? You were you putting those glasses on was hilarious. Oh. I wish I wish viewers could have seen that. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of those glasses, I mean, you know, I've just realized I can't. I I'm just coming to terms with the fact that I can't see like I used to be able to. 
I mean, I, I not only had perfect vision, I'd only had 2020, I had better than 2010. So, you know, when you go to the doctor and they, you stand like 20 feet away from the, the right. eye chart, I could, and then if you, um, I believe if you go to 30 feet, it's like 2000, it's like 2017, 2015, 2013, 2010 or something. Oh yeah. At like 30 feet. I could, I could even go further back like 35 feet and I could read the whole thing. So it's better than 2010. Oh, that's, that's very cool. Which was cool. I mean, not that it. Jason's bionic eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> Microscopic. So, <laughs> so then, uh, then this idea that I can't see things now is, is just really frustrating. It's just hard to admit and kind of come to terms to comes, come to terms with, but here's the reality. I mean, it's like, it's just reading up close. It's just what happens when you hit mid forties, your, yeah. your, um, your lens and your eye doesn't is lacks a certain type of flexibility that it had, and you just can't things are happens right up for most, close for a lot of people, yeah. No, at, literally, it's everybody. I mean, it's oh, not, okay. like yeah. it's, I think it's sort of the eye doctor I can predict your you can predict your age with that. I mean, maybe huh. there's like a very very small minority of people that it doesn't happen to, but I think it's pretty much everybody. So um, I'm not escaping reality, unfortunately. But um, it's it, it, what I've noticed is that. I don't read as much because I have to get the stupid glasses and put those on. Right. Oh, you know, okay. I mean, I can read, I can read if it's lar- if it's not small print and it's not in low light, but if it's low light, it makes it a little more difficult. And I even noticed that when I'm, I'm holding my phone and I'm reading some article and it's kind of, you know, sometimes these things aren't really like, um, uh, sized correctly for an iPhone. Um, and, you know, if I'm in low light, all of a sudden I, I, it's all blurry and I'm just like, ah, screw it. I can't read it, which is yeah. no, frustrating. I'm, I'm the same. So if, so that's, uh, that's kind of interesting that, um, people let, that we're sort of, we're keeping the show going over years. Like you'll see the, the, the different, <laughs> <laughs> the different phases of these guys. They're like 80, 80 year old guys. And it's actually, there's actually someone interpreting for us because we can't actually like, speak anymore. Actually like Jason just it. nodded. He seemed to smile a little bit. I think he's, he's either hungry or he agrees with Justin's point. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. It's the, been a long time. It's been since 2009. So yeah, right. It's a lot of years. Actually yeah. talking about that, there was a comment that Doug made on the show even before this, which was, um, I mean, this might be this, this is, and I know that he meant this is completely a compliment. Um, you guys are like an old, comfortable pair of shoes. Well, I think he meant when he said old and shoes, I think he was thinking of you really. <laughs> okay. So you were comfortable. I was just uh, yeah, old, you're shoes. old shoes. Yeah, I think that's what he meant. <laughs> All you right. Send him to get it. No, that was, no, I mean, I, I took that as a compliment. It's, yeah. it's funny, you know, um, so speaking of, um, mm-hmm. kind of kind of interesting. Well, well, I've tried debating whether I should even talk about this, but I'll I'll, I'll just why not? Because we talk, pretty much talk about everything. Yeah. Um, so we uh, Sandy got a um, we got a form submission from the Math Academy website. From she says, and Sandy goes, yeah, I got this form. It says this guy is like a texting listener who's interested in maybe helping out or you know, working with you or something like that. And I was like, what? She's like, I'll just, she'll like, I'll send it to you. And, um, it's, a, you know, it's, it's one of our listeners who, who I guess didn't really have a, the, or didn't, didn't go through the normal, like 
either commenting on the site or uh, sending an email to the, te- to the podcast, basically said, hey, really interested in what you're doing, really like the Math Academy concept. I've been trying to think about what I want to do next, um, you know, like to like to talk, you know, and, mm. um, you know, I don't want to give away too many details, but um, he's an, he, he worked at, um, you know, where I'll, yeah, I guess he worked at Google. So he's, that's not a bad place to work. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, you got to be a really sharp developer to do that, to, yeah. to, to get into Google. But um, I won't say anything more about him than that because I don't, you know, and people sometimes get uncomfortable when you talk about them publicly. But um, so I sent him, he's like, I know this is a long shot, but, you know, hey, if you'd, you know, if you'd be interested in talking, I'm, I'm you know. So we, uh, we talked for a couple hours um, a few days ago. And um, could be a fit. We'll see. That's nice. So as, as, a, as a coder, as a dev? Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I well, mean, you know, I've been... Oh, go on. I was going to say, you need to get a good dev on that team. Because <laughs> 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 right now, the world you've got code. Is... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Mm. Yeah. Well, what was interesting... Um, well, okay. So, you know, he ticks all the all the boxes of being like obviously very bright he seems very skilled um yeah kind of a pragmatic guy you know um easy to talk to um uh, a, a good sense of things i mean you get people who are smart developers but they can be uh, they can be difficult to deal with they can yeah. either have a huge ego or they're just a purist in some way and very uh, and very unpractical impractical you know or just like all kind of things so um yeah, we had a great conversation. I wouldn't have gone for two hours if it wasn't um, if it wasn't a good conversation. And um, I got off the call with him, and Justin was in the room over. I go, "Did you did you catch any of that?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I heard you." He's like, "I hope it works out." <laughs> so he looks sounds good. And That's so awesome. I don't know. So I guess what we're gonna do is um, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk again later today, and maybe have him do. Um, some kind of uh, project for nice. us yeah where i mean it's it's kind of a two-way fit right he has to decide if he wants to be mm-hmm. part of this thing right and i said you know you may decide we're a bunch of clowns <laughs> so you know and how and long has he been listening to the show actually he's been listening for a, I, I i didn't say he didn't say a specific number of years but he said he says as long as he, i think he said something like as long as he can remember most of his adult life or something like that so yeah. i think that he, he he knows what kind of clowns we are already he knows exactly <laughs> what kind of clown i am so yeah. <laughs> so hopefully I'm just the right kind of clown. But um uh yeah, that's one of the benefits of getting a a, a texting someone who's a listener because mm-hmm. you know, anybody listening to the podcast knows just about everything about me because I'm such an open book, probably a little too open. So there's not gonna be any surprises. But um uh so that's a, that's a, that's really good. He knows all about Math Academy. He knows all about me and how I think about things. And if you, if you still want to be part of it, then that's that you've you've cleared a lot of filters. But um, but anyway, it's it's a combination of, you know, I mean, I'm not really worried. Does this guy is smart? Is he can, can he code? Is he does he write clean code? Like if you worked at Google for a number of years, like that's pretty much you know locked in. The question is, is it a fit? You know and. Yeah. What I what I want, he needs to figure out is like okay yeah this is this is really cool I like working with Jason I like Alex I like Justin they're really smart guys this is all really great yeah there's a lot to do but 
I can, I can, I can lock in on this thing and I can, I can really help these guys push the sixth level and then I can have fun and make an impact and benefit as well. Right. Or, but if he came in as like, I don't know, it's like, it's just hard working with Jason or it's hard working with this code, but you know, you could, who knows, you could decide those things. And for me, it's, it's like, you know, I have to, I want it to be like the same situation when I work with Justin or Alex, which is like, I really, really enjoy talking with these guys. I enjoy working with them. They're really intelligent, really good problem solvers, very easy to work with. All I have to do is have high level conversations and then they figure it out and it's done. Right. It's not like I have to go, here's what you do. You do this and you do this, you do this. Like they have expertise and levels that's beyond mine. Right. Yeah. I mean, Justin in, in the whole, and algorithms and data science and machine learning and all that and graph theory stuff. I mean, he's way above me and, um, but he's amazing. So I can mm-hmm. just say, Hey, and so we have high level discussions about how things should work. And he's like, he did, he delivers. Right? <laughs> I have hundred percent confidence that he's going to do it. He's going to do it right. And he's going to do it, you know, and in, 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 as quickly as he possibly can. And Alex the same way. So you, you, whoever we bring on, I want someone to be like that. Right. That's right. Who I, well, we just high level conversations and they can just. You're so highly leveraged with a small team like that. You yeah. Know. You can't afford a false positive. And, um, and I, you know, I want to be someone that when I talk, so hopefully in the way that we, we arrange the project, there'll be a situation where he can have a fair amount of um, interaction with, with both Justin and Alex, probably more with Justin, but hopefully with both of them um, so that he can, he can get a good uh, sense of those guys. And so that they can get a good sense of him. And ultimately what I would want it to be is for Alex and Justin to say, if, if Justin Jason doesn't hire this guy, like that's, he's being an idiot. Like <laughs> they got to be like, what you, what you didn't hire? You did what? <laughs> you know, he's not coming over. What are you talking about? So you want them to have that reaction. Right. Yeah. So that's, we'll that's, see. That's you cool. Know? That's interesting. But, you know- but like, but I said, it's just, it's, it's up to him. It'll be up to him. It's all about a fit, you know? It's all about, is it a fit, two-way fit, you know? How cool will it be that if we're both sort of working on a business with texting listeners? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> it's it that's funny. a nice well, deal. Yeah. We've, met a, we've, met a, we've made a lot of friends and I've created a lot of, I guess, a bit of a network from texting over the years, haven't we? Yeah, that's been, the, that's been the good thing, of, well, one of the good things of it. Yeah, yeah. So... So we'll see. I'll keep you posted. I mean, I was kind of thinking, should I not talk about this until no, either of course, A? You t- I think that you should talk. I mean, I think you should because even if it doesn't work out, it's still super interesting to know that it happened. And it's the kind of thing that you're not really going to talk about after it didn't work out, you know? So it's nice to talk about it from this point of hope. Um, see, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's one yeah. thing I told Justin. Uh, I was like, you know, I was like, let's not get her hope. He may change his mind. It may not be a fit one for one reason or another. It may, you know, he, who knows? Right. Yeah. So let's just, you know, not get ahead of ourselves and let's see, let's see how this works out. So, um, um, but, uh, what was going to say about it? Oh, but you, what was it? You've worked with a few texting people though, because you've worked with texting people from a cryptocurrency point of view. Have I? You've worked with texting people from, no, not from like, cryptocurrency. Yeah. That there was, uh, wasn't there one guy, Dom, who was helping you out? No, he wasn't through, uh, texting. He found me through, um, a broad blog post I'd written. Oh, okay. But then John Humphrey helps you out with uh, domain stuff. That's yeah. Texting, John is the is the is the domainer expert. Although he claims he's not an expert, but he clearly is a domainer. Right. At least compared to me, he is. So mm-hmm. he's he's been always extremely generous and helpful with his time. For, yeah, that's it's that's yeah, absolutely. 
John, thanks again, by the way. <laughs> Every time I <laughs> much appreciate it. He's a great guy. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, there are other people who we've helped. I don't know if I would say formally worked with, but there have definitely been people who have been generous with their advice or yeah. or, or help in, in one thing or another. Um, oh, what was I going to say, though? Um, well, what was interesting, I mean, this some of the listeners, and you may be wondering, it's like I said, all right, I'm just going to build this myself. Screw it, right? Remember the whole Sivalod? Sivalod Collective. The collective, that whole disaster. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to build this thing myself. Um, but which always goes to show you, it's like, well, you know, don't ever say never, right? And um, now that the system has gotten more, has gotten somewhat cleaned up and a little more stabilized, um, it's easier to bring somebody in. Not that the, not that it's like the code is beautiful and everything is perfectly structured and far from it, but it's not like it was, you know, a year and a half ago. But um, I feel like you wouldn't be kind of a control freak. Like you would, you would let someone go ahead and do their own stuff, if, just as long as it, as long as you had faith and trust that they were good. I mean, the problem is with the Sivalot Collective, they were, the code was bad. I mean, you probably would have been happy if it was good and it was modu- modularized and stuff. Yeah, see, that's a problem with when you outsource it in that kind of way and you don't communicate a lot in person, you know, not, I mean, or not in person, but over, you know, video call or whatever. They just don't understand what you're even doing, right? They're not, they're not really at that same level. And with Justin and Alex, they absolutely 100% get what we're doing, you know? And we spend a fair amount of time, anytime there's a big change... You know, I mean, Justin's here all the time, so we're talking about stuff all the time, right? But, you know, with Alex, anytime there's some change and, you know, I'll, I'll write something to Alex or I'll say, Justin, could you post something for Alex just so he just summarize what we've been talking about so he knows what's going on? And I'll ping him like the next day or something. Like, hey, do you want to do a call about this? And then we can spend an hour, hour and a half talking through everything, right? So that he is on the same page. He gets sort of the, the new worldview. Like, this is how we're going to think about things. This is what we're going to do. These are the priorities. This is why. And then that way he has the freedom to make lots of choices and just to do things. It, it kind of reminds me of, um, you know, uh, so one of the things I fall asleep a lot to is, uh, is these World War II his, uh, documentaries. For whatever reason, they're easy for me to fall asleep to. Okay. <laughs> I watch dozens of them, right? <laughs> You know, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy watch, she specializes in falling asleep to like the, the like the Henry VIII kind of stuff. I find that tough stuff too stressful for some reason. <laughs> Somebody's always stabbing somebody in the back. But right. the World War II stuff, you know, or stuff about the Third Reich or whatever, for whatever reason, that stuff is, is easy for me to fall asleep to just because I know what happens. So if they say, well, you know. But anyway, one of the things I remember them talking about is how when the Blitz German Blitzkrieg was so effective and what was so fast is and Blitzkrieg means lightning strike. And so they got through um, the Ardennes forest and into Belgium much quicker than anyone expected. And part of the reason they did that was they had these, you know, tanks, these panzers that moved through and went ahead of the infantry. But even more importantly, um, their generals, um, was it General Guderian, um, was one of the main ones. Um, but they were given enough autonomy to make their own choices. They didn't have to continually be calling back to headquarters. To, should we do this? Should we do that? They could make their own decisions. Mm. And, um, God, I'm blanking on his name. Who was the guy, the desert, was it the desert? Desert, Fox? Stu- I don't know. Um, from... 
I can't even think of his name. He's like one of the most famous German generals. Anyway, they called his uh, his army the ghost ghost the ghost army or the ghost division because they didn't know where he was. Mm-hmm. Headquarters didn't even know where the ghost division. And that's division why he was. was so successful. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. you get highly competent people. You get them on the same page with what you're doing. You empower them to be able to make decisions without having to constantly check back on you. And you have you have, you can move at a vastly accelerated pace. Just for the record, I just want to say, I just want to separate. And I'm I know you've told me not to do this before, but you're not talking about the bl- the blitzkrieg in any way being a good thing or whatever. You're just talking about. Are you kidding me, Justin? <laughs> yeah, of you course. gotta no, be I know. kidding. You gotta no, be kidding. I am. I'm. It's just you gotta it's be just, kidding. No, you had to. You had to hear it. What was just said? Anyway, no, no. But the the, the, <laughs> the way it, it was it, said. The way it was said. It no, was, but the, no, but yeah, but the way. But here's the thing. You fin- you finished the Blitzkrieg thing and then you said, Yeah, so you just empower smart people, you know, like and it really well, sounded like that that's that's the way it sounded. Well, the, but, the, yeah. the, 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 the German army had innovated on a bunch of things, which allowed yeah. them to to knock out France and Belgium, all these people very successfully. Now the Allies then learned from this and countered and they did a lot of smart things. But anyway, <laughs> but that that particular um uh thing of, of 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 sort of distributing the intelligence yeah to 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 people to who have the ability to make their own decisions was um sort of a uh, i don't know if it maybe if you call it a landmark i'm sure there were you could probably go back to other um militaries and other things where were general or were generals or people underneath the general had a certain level of autonomy but but when when organizations are not completely top down all the time they can move faster so one thing I wanted to ask about is you are talking with Justin all day long, you said. So he's sitting there with you. So with the, with the discussion that you have, like, do, do you work and talk at the same time? Is that, what, how does it impact productivity? Like, how does that? Well, what's your opinion I on wouldn't that say that we are, it's not, like, it's not like I'm chatting all day long. I mean, he's in the house. So okay. I'll be in here working. He's sitting in the next room. He's not sitting even in the same room as me. Okay. Right. But then we go to lunch or then, you know, first of all, he teaches during the day, during the weekdays. Okay. Right. So he yeah. doesn't even get here until 4 or 15 or something. And I'll catch up on with him. Hey, so here's what's going on today. Had a call, talk with Alex. This is what we talked about. Blah, blah, blah. So what are your priorities? What are you thinking? Okay. What's going on? You know, that kind of stuff. And then, you know, and occasionally we'll talk. You know, because you know, I'm, he's in my home, right? So yeah. I got to go walk the dog. I come back from the dog. Walk, walk. I'm like, what's up? How's it going? And he'll say, oh, blah, blah, blah. This happened. I made this part. So it's just, it's kind of like interspersed with other types, uh, other types of interruptions. He'll come at dinner. Come, hey, Justin, we're gonna eat dinner now. He comes in. I'm like, so how's it going? While we're cooking, getting dinner ready. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Does that make sense? So, so you, so you're sort of. Well, this is interesting. So. You, you're sort of building relationship in between the times that you're working mm-hmm. um, and then you're and then you're both sort of working. How do you build a relationship with Alex? Do you carve out time to build a relationship with him or is it just when you're sort of handing out um, tasks? How does that work? Uh, no, what I'll typically do is, okay, so if there's any major um, realization adjustment, so Justin and I figure out something about the model or something about the you know, the graph and it'll be like, Oh crap, we got to do X, Y, and Z or oh, this. And then I'm like, all right, well, I'm like, all right, Justin, okay, do me a favor. Try and summarize what we just talked about. And so Alex knows what's going on. Right. Cause you know, Alex is in charge of content. 
So he's in charge of the graph, in a sense. Justin's in charge of the model. Um, so I, also, I'll, I usually ask Justin to write something up. And then mm-hmm. I will, if, if necessary, if it's like, if we're really like, okay, we are going to change direction, change priorities, then I'll say, hey, Alex, we need to change directions or we need to do this. We prioritize for X, Y, and Z reasons. And then I say, and then I'll say, Justin will post something about some of the details. Right? So this so is Justin, in Slack? It's all in Slack, right? And when that happens, I'll typically ping him the next morning because he's in London, which means the end of his day is the beginning of my day. And so I'll be, you know, making some breakfast and I'll be like, hey, do you want to do you want to do a catch up call? And sometimes he'll be like, he'll be like, oh, yeah, sure. Just give me five minutes. Sometimes we like, you know, I'm just fin- trying to finish up in the day. Can we talk tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And unless I'm like, are you all good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I just I got too much to, to do. So um, and I understand that when I do a phone call with him, I'm keeping him from like doing work right mm. so it's just chatting for the sake of chatting is dumb and i'm i'm paying for that time effectively right i'm slowing things down i'm paying for it so i don't want to just chat just for the hell of it but um we will typically talk i always think it'll be a 15 minute talk and they're always like an hour to an hour and a half <laughs> right yeah. anybody listen to the show we're like yeah duh with jason we've heard you talk <laughs> we know how that goes so um so we we spend a lot of time, then we'll talk about that. And I'll be like, so how's, where are things going with the team? Or what, how are things going with so-and-so? Or what do you, th- you know, what's going on with that particular course? Or how are you thinking? You know, and so we'll, we'll talk about, you know, whatever half dozen different issues or whatever he wants to talk about. And, you know, we have a really good relationship. You know, I really like him. He's, he's a great guy. And, you know, I consider him a friend as well as a, you know, a team member or whatever. So. Do you joke around in Slack as well? Or is it just all business in Slack? Uh, minimally. I don't like too much of that. I mean, occasionally um, I'll post, uh, I'm, I might post something directly to him, but I don't like get these like channel things where everybody's goofing off and talking about all kind of nonsense. Right. Um, I think that's a waste of time and distraction. Um, and, uh, but, but sometimes to him, I might, if I'm, if I might say, I might, you know, I might make a little something say a little something um Mm -hmm. but um but yeah so we talk probably minimally once a week probably typically twice a week Mm -hmm. i would say and each time for like an hour an hour and a half maybe an hour or so you know and it's um sometimes it's just a general catch-up call hey we talked to three or four days let's do a catch-up and sometimes it'll be like hey let's um hey let's talk about some of this new graph stuff i want to make sure we're kind of on the same page and that kind of stuff. No, I, the reason why I ask is because um, with Joe, I sometimes I, well, what, what I've come to realize, um, and what we've come to realize is that when I slack him and talk about fun stuff on Slack with him, I'm essentially stopping him from working. And so it's this, uh, it's, it's this sort of fine balance between sort of, you know, keeping a partnership going, building a relationship and, um, you know, not, not killing the work time. He's cause he's got such a tight schedule. Um, with his uh with his sort of part-time job and the time that he has for morning brief so yeah it's just uh, interesting to hear see, how I don't, you manage see, that see i don't think talking about off-topic stuff i don't think you need to do that to keep the relationship going i think you can be mm. totally focused on what we're doing and you don't have to be talking about something in the news or something that i just i don't think anybody it's that big no i think i agree with you i think i agree with you and uh, i've been pulling back from that but uh, it's interesting it's an interesting yeah. topic. It's like, it's like whatever your focus is. Your focus. We trying to make progress. Trying to get this done. Let's go. Let's right. go. We're having fun. Like it's like, you know. <laughs> okay, think. About, go back to my soccer team. For, you know, right. So I didn't have to start middle of the game and start goofing around with people. Like let's win the game. Let's play. We're trying to win <laughs> here. 
right? It's focused. Right. We're having we're having a great Just time. Get it done. We're, well, we're having a great time playing soccer. That's the game. This is what we're doing. We're here for a reason. We'll get enjoyment out of the pro- of, of the game of playing soccer, and you know we we'll have more fun if we win. And I think it's the same thing in startup. I mean, a startup is it's it's fun. It's a game in a way. We're this is a giant video game in a sense. Like we have these constraints. We have a lot of different ways we can do this. Let's figure out and do it. We don't have to go off topic and start you know sharing memes or whatever. You know that's just mm-hmm. yeah a, a distraction. I think if and end up what it ends up doing. I think because when you do it a little, when you start doing it too much, you realizing you're just you're screwing around, distracting each other, and then you feel stressed and and and. And, and, and guilty you're like oh, what am I doing I gotta get back to work this is stupid <laughs> right yeah. so I mean there's been there times where I've you know I start writing a longer slack message and then I'm just like what am I doing I'm just wasting but let's time. say let's say it was Phil let's say you this startup was with Phil right and it was just you and Phil on slack like how would you how would you not sort of goof around in the well, slack Phil's with, a clown with, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, well, so, and, I, I, and I'm not saying Joe's a clown, but I'm saying we we have this. We whenever we talk, it's it's just good. It's funny. You know, there's there's funny stuff happening. So, mm. but I do know, like, I should I do need to just sort of not do that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I'm I'm trying to put you in the situation. Imagine if it was someone who you like. Almost, it was it was kind of like a buzz to talk to them. You know, yeah, like, no, like I mean, that's the same. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it, no, it's, I really enjoy talking with Alex. In fact, sometimes, <laughs> you know, I'm like, probably, I, I mean, I, I I'm like, I, sh- I question, should we even do a catch up call? I'm probably talking more because it'd be fun to talk to him and catch up on everything mm-hmm, than it right. is, is. Is it truly necessary that we have this conversation? We could probably get away with talking maybe half as much in some time, in some cases, but, um, you know, I, I'm not answering your question specifically yet, but I just said. But I bet that. he appreciates that. I bet he appreciates that you, because obviously you're pay, you're paying him, and he probably appreciates the fact that you enjoy talking with him, and that sometimes you're like, "Ah, screw it, let's just have a good conversation." Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and of course, you know, we talk about, you know, we catch a little bit about like what's going on with his wife and kid, and you know, they recently moved to a new area, and you know, we'll talk about stuff like that. I mean, we don't spend mm. an inordinate amount of time talking about it, but. Um, well, the other thing too is he has a wife and kid, right? So when he's not working, and he works a fair amount, like he's like, I got to get off. I, you know, Crammy needs my help, right? I got to mm. go, Dom. I got to go work. I can't sit there and just be BSing with you when you have little kids. As you know, you can't just <laughs> spend right. time yeah. just messing around. Good shit it's like, to do, right, right now. We're gonna move the ball down the field, and then I'm gonna stop working. And when I stop, I need to be present there for my wife and kid or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but your other question, would you say specifically? You asked mm. me something. I've forgotten. But all right. Um, anyway. <laughs> so oh, okay. What's the latest on Math Academy? Like, what? Where? Where, where are you guys at? Well, um, how many how many paying customers you got now? Um, I think like forty uh, ish. Mm, nice. So I mean, it, now it's just kind of slowed down to just a trickle in couple week or something because we're not doing any marketing and it's just that original list. What's your main and, focus right now then? Uh, the main focus right now is just fixing bugs and just yeah. getting the stuff working. I mean, there's been a huge – so there were some we, – we noticed that there were some problems with the model that were fundamentally problems with the data, right? So the mm. more complete, the more comprehensive, the better your data is, the simpler the model can be. If your data is sparse and incomplete, then the model has to be really sophisticated to overcome that. Right, well, so it's kind of a it's a kind of a combination. So your well, your your data couldn't be accused of being sparse, but 
Um, oh, no, it, 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 I mean, it was, so we were missing... But maybe little chunks, little areas, right? Well, there's different types. So there's the, there's the, there's the you know, the, what we call the prerequisite, the knowledge graph, which links all the topics together based on the prerequisites, okay? But then there's another thing called encompassing topics, which is like almost like a, another layer, another type of graph, which is, so if I have, um, let's say, uh, I'm, I'm going to give a very trivial example, but let's say if solving two-step linear equations, that fully encompasses doing one-step equations, solving one-step equations, which means instead of doing a review of one-step equations, you can just do a lesson on two-step equations. Do you mm-hmm. see how that works? Yeah. So in which case, we kind of kill two birds with one stone. We're moving forward, and also we're, into, we're doing a review, right? Now, if you don't have, if you haven't identified encompassings, then you spend a lot of time doing unnecessary reviews because if you said, hey, if I could have killed two or three birds with one stone if I had just done this, uh, if I had, if, if, but the system has to know what encompasses what. Just because something's mm-hmm. prerequisite with something does not mean that that encompasses. In fact, it rarely, it often does not mean that. Um, so we're working really hard. Justin is spending all day. He's he's to building the encompassing graph. And we had some encompassings there, and I thought we had a lot, but it was far from sufficient. And the and the model was relying on that and was assuming that it was more comp- complete than it was. It was causing it was it was not selecting the right kind of topics and we're like what is going on and mm. once we identified that just as like all right i gotta i just gotta spend all day doing this for like the next three weeks <laughs> and um so that but then the other problem we came across was that we said well if if topics that are um are more advanced than you know in the along the graph than a current topic. When you do those, it'd be sort of like there'd be some implicit relationship. So doing some of that topic is sort of like doing this topic. So you do enough topics that are based on that earlier topic or advanced from that earlier topic. You could say, well, I've done these doing three uh, repetitions with each, each of these or lessons is tantamount to doing a review of this more basic topic. Hmm. That turns out to be not a great assumption. In mm. some cases, um, it, it you know a, a topic is not a fully encompassing topic, but encompasses a fair amount of it. Some it's very small. And it's just it, too fuzzy as a concept. It's too fuzzy. So what we had to do so once because I was talking about that with Justin, I said you know I'm not convinced. I think what we need to do is we need to think about this as like a probability. Like what's the probability or you know like if because. Now, you're not going to probably understand this, but a lot of our users who took calculus will understand this. So I'll just use the calculus example. because sure. So if you're doing like the product rule or chain rule in calculus, and you're like, okay, some of the derivatives are going to be for trigonometric functions, and some are not. And so if I do a, if I do a lesson or review on the product rule, what's the, pro, what's the probability that I'm going to practice doing a derivative with sine or cosine or tangent, some trigonometric function? Well... You don't know. I don't know. I mean, how many of those questions involve that or are just polynomial functions or square roots or, you know, logarithms or whatever. So what you actually have to do is you have to go up and you have to count how many questions in your product rule lesson, uh, product rule topic actually have a trigonometric function. I thought, I thought that's what you are going to say. You'd have to break it down to the ultimate question level. That's right. And so what we, yeah. so what we realized that. So we're like, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to get the entire... At first, we're going to have Justin do it. Justin's like, this is going to take me like three months to do this. <laughs> and I was like, well, we can't, that can't happen. Like, we can't take you off the field for three months. Like, that's too much for you to do. So I like... So I said, all right, Alex, let's let's get the whole team involved. So so uh, so Alex 
created this big spreadsheet and big structure. And what we did is we got the entire content team, which is like, I don't know, 18 people or something like that. And we and divvied them up and said, right, you, you know, you're doing these topics and you're doing these topics. And they went through, we did accounts and we set up values for all of these different um, topics, which gave us sort of a probabilities for all these things. And we had to hold do a calibration thing because certain people would count these things up a little different than other people. So one of our other, um, you know, Yuri, who's one of our main guys, who's, you know, brilliant guy, brilliant mathematician he he built all this huge calibration phase so okay let's let's go through and do a bunch of prac do topics everybody do these 10 or 20 topics and let's see how people's counts match up and people who do not match up we think they are we need to do a training say okay let's go over this again what does this mean how do you count these things and justin i think created a couple videos on how to do it and there's this whole big thing to get everybody trained up and so that was a huge like that was like a it was almost two week project. That's exactly the kind of thing that brings everyone together and gives everyone a company spirit. Yeah, yeah well, nice. It was a lot of work, but then we realized that we had another issue. So this is all data. These are all data issues, right? We're not developing content specifically, but it's like metadata and it's critical metadata. One of it was question timings. Like, how long should a question take? And mm. so when we do diagnostic tests and quizzes, if a student, if a if a if a question should take forty five seconds to complete and a kid takes three minutes that tells you something that either tells you that most likely tells you they had to go look up how to do it which means they don't really know how to do it mm. right if they do it under 45 seconds or 30 seconds you'd be like okay they, they clearly you know know what they're doing um the problem is the data that we have is in most cases measuring how not how long it took them to do it but how long they took right so it might you might be able to do it in thirty seconds, but you might have taken five minutes because you were watching a TikTok video in between, mm, mm-hmm. or you walked away to go get a snack, or who know, or to look some look it up, or whatever. So you have a lot. So you're not measuring what you really want. You're measuring something else, and you're trying to use that data for something else, which is problematic. And so I asked Justin, and I was worried about that. I said, you know, I don't think this data is, I don't care how much we massage it. And I'm just think we're massaging the wrong data. And I'm just not confident that we're, we're going to be applying it correctly. And so I said, I'm like, Justin, could you go and do some problems? Time yourself as maybe how a student would do it, like slow it down, do the steps, don't do any sort of, you know, kind of expert shortcuts and see how long it takes. And he did a hundred problems from the basic level all the way to more advanced stuff. And he's like, yeah, this is not good. Anything above 30 seconds is really suspect. And some of the stuff is really doesn't look right because we were looking at some of this stuff and we're like, because when we have topic lessons or review, how many experience points or XP that a student gets is based on how long it would, we estimate it would take them. Right. So if we way overestimate how long it takes them because we're using bad data, we're giving them way too many points. Like they're getting 40 XP, almost a day's worth of work, which, which took them 15 minutes. Are you, um, <clears throat> because when, when people are, are doing these things, they're usually like, you know, they're touching the screen, point, like pointing at things or whatever, if they're actually doing it for real. So there'd be some sort of psychometrics of like the mouse movement or the, or the finger taps. Have you considered like? Why do you in- think that? Well, see, this is math, so they're probably going to be on paper. Oh, so they take so they take it off the computer and they do it on. Well, paper. Well, yeah, I mean, this anything other than like you know third grade math, you're going to have to do on paper, right? I mean, most of the stuff is done on paper. 
Because normally, like, so even, even though they're doing it on paper, they still don't move the, the pointer to just the current thing that they're focusing on as they're writing it down? No, because the problem is, is just, it just takes up less than the screen. You don't have to scroll around or anything. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, there's just, yeah, so that's not really a, a thing. Anyway, mm. so we had to have a whole nother big team lift where we're getting all this question timings. And here, this is, this, you might find this interesting. So, um, so we did a whole nother calibration phase. So Yuri and Alex set up, okay, let's have a bunch of these, uh, we call them SME, subject matter experts. So we have all our SMEs go through and do these 15 or 20 problems, time themselves. And they're all going to do the same problems. And everybody was way all over the map. All over the map. Some people were fast. Some people were slow. They'd switch positions depending on the problem. It was like, oh, crap. What are we going to do? Right? And there was a whole big write-up. Justin had created this big write-up about how to, you know, okay, here's how you approach it. Here's how a student would do it. Don't do any, like, shortcuts, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, right? And, and Alex wrote a big thing. They had this whole big sort of, like, mini training manual on how to do this. And so just, so Alex and I are talking about it. I go, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay. I go, here's the thing, Alex. I think the primary source of variance is how our SMEs are interpreting, are pretending to be a student. When they have a model in their head of how long it takes a student, what does that mean? What student are they envisioning, right? And it's going to be, it's going to be, probably different for every person it's going to be probably biased heavily by maybe the people they have worked with that they work with average students they work with elite students that they work with you know who are they working with what age groups and what context and then you know it's like it's like when you ask somebody about you know for a product like how do you like would you use this product or service right that is good information if you if they if, you, if they start talking about they think other people would use it or like it that is useless information people tend to be really bad at speculating what other people think or are going to want so, so can i guess your solution are you <clears throat> are you basically measuring each student and then get and creating their own baseline based on what they do um so you sort of Give, set them off on something that's kind of easy at their level, go through 20 questions, and then that's going to give you an idea. Okay, no. that's where the students no, are. Cause, no, no, what we're doing, because we need, we need to create this stuff. I mean, you can't just get students to do that, right? You know. Well, they, you don't tell them that you're timing them. Well, yes. But, but, of course, if they don't know they're being timed, then they're not going to do it as if time matters. <laughs> Right? <laughs> okay, Kids so are going to do whatever the hell they're going to do. So what is your, I, I really want to hear what your solution is then. I was all right. So here's what we do. I was like, you know, it's funny because Justin and I were, I mean, I'm sorry, Alex and I were talking about this and we, 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 we knew there was a problem because we saw, because he had this huge spreadsheet with all of these like regressions and it's all this analysis that he and Yuri did. And it basically came up to like, this is bad. <laughs> and so, so we started talking. I said, let me just procrastinate. Let's talk about something else. I'm not, I don't, I don't really know what the answer is. And I'm like, all right, here's the deal. And then I said, all right. Here's the problem. The problem is people have a inconsistent models of what a student is. And say, let's stop doing that. Do it as yourself. Let's pick out mm. 20 problems. Do it as yourself. We'll come up with the median, and then we will correct. Every SME will have a coefficient that will bring them in line with every other. So we will have a median there, and then we can put another multiplier on that to translate that from median um, – expert to median student 
Mm. Does that make sense? At least it's consistent. Yeah, and that does make and sense. it turned out that it was yeah. the coefficient was over point not like really high. Like everyone was really consistent. At least some people were consistently a little slow. Some people were consistently a little fast. Whatever, fine. Okay, slow down the speedsters. Slow up, speed up this pokier people. Get everybody in line, and then we just so we have a couple multipliers. So that whole thing worked. But which turned out, I think it's funny because that's kind of where my strength is, and that I have an ability to understand how people think. And how the people behave and how they're going to interpret things. And particularly kids. <laughs> I, I do. This is what they're going to think. This is how they're going to react. I can do that. But but these guys are really good at the analytics and the math of it. But and that's the part I... So I just let play. them be themselves and then work out the, uh, the, the difference um, yourself. So one question. Did you look at the, um, the people who had like aced the leaderboard who were like way ahead? Then if you go and look at the timings, do you see anything interesting in their well, timings? I, I, we didn't spend too much time doing that because because um, the data is because we're not we're measuring the wrong thing. We will we'll, we will we will look at that next when yeah. we look at a translation layer. But what we'll probably do is look at there's the there's the data of from the reviews and the lessons. So those are two different contexts. They're not being timed. So again, how long does it take you versus how long you're taking are two different things. Like it might take a kid if they were focused on it three minutes to pick up their room. They may take four hours. Any parent will tell you this. A kid can take four hours to pick up their room. I mean, you should know this, right? You've probably experienced this many times. So are you going to reapply this and it'll change people's scores? No, we're probably not. We won't go in and change things. But it will change their scores moving forward. Go forward. Yeah, everything the model, every time the model updates, it's just like this. Every time Google updates their algorithms, search results change. So this is like the Panda update of Math Academy. There will always be (laughs) updates and somebody like, what? I only got, I feel like we're not getting any points for some of this stuff. Well, you know. um, Yeah, maybe stuff was a little easier for you now and things that got tightened up a little bit. That's interesting. But what we'll end up doing is when we time them on individual, on quizzes. So quizzes, what we've done with quizzes, and I think I've talked about this before, is rather than saying this quiz has 10 questions on it, you have 20 minutes or 30 minutes to do it, and they can kind of click between questions. Instead, we're saying it's 10 questions, and you answer each question individually. And then once you select an answer for one, the timing stops, so you can take a break and walk away from it. Right? You're like, oh, God, I got 30-minute test, because that's very stressful. So just do one question. Do a three or four questions. Okay, go off and do something else. Come back, right? Mm-hmm. But that also isolates it down. How much time are you taking for this specific question, right? So now you're really measuring what you want is how long it took them to where mm. they were confident to answer. And especially since they know time is the issue. Like the longer you take, you know, up to a certain point, you won't be penalized, but to go to a certain point and you'll start to incur a penalty. So you're going to have a little timer? Um there's a debate on that. The, the timer, as it turned out, the timer is very distracting for kids. Mm. Seeing something tick down is stressful and distracting. I even had one that would only say, you have about two minutes left. Mm. You have about a minute and a half. A little less than a minute. 30, even that. So, so what we might do is show that if people want it or hide it, maybe maybe you won't show it. It might do a little experimentation because it's the reality is before what would happen, especially when you're doing a diagnostic, is when the time ran out, it would literally stop. It would literally like submit the an- no answer and say, time's up. And we decided that was really um, 
an unfriendly user experience. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. this, like if a tutor sat down and says, hey, do this problem. And then you're like, ah, time's up and pull it away from you. Yeah, right. You'd be like, what the, <laughs> you'd, you'd be really obnoxious, right? And they don't tell you whether you got it right or wrong. They're like, sorry, here's the next one. What the tutor would do is they'd let you do it. And if, you know, however long you took, they'd be like, okay, good job. Let's go to the next one. That was, okay, that was not right. But here's how you would do it. And then you'd move on to the next one. And they would tell you yeah. what's right or wrong, but they would let you take as much time. But then they would make note. Like, this should have taken this kid 20 seconds. And it took four minutes. And they got mm-hmm. it right, but, yeah, we need more work on this. Or, wow, that kid got it, knocked it out, got it right. Or these kids are getting these, really getting these wrong. doesn't matter how long they took. So this, the, 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 the tutor or the teacher would make note, a mental note, and then adjust their interpretation of the results based on that. And that's what we're going to do. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and part of it came to like, I mean, first I initially got some negative feedback. I'm like, why is everybody, and everybody's like, yeah, my kid got really stressed by that. And I really frustrated. It would just kind of submit and the timer. And I was like, I kind of argued with them at first. I was like, well, you know, time is an important thing. And I started realizing, I'm like, this is actually really bad. People are really frustrated by this. Mm. And then I said, let me think about this. Like, well, you know, okay. And then I, I did this little, you know, I do this a lot with Justin. Okay, let's see, as a tutor, how would you do this? And I, once I played it out as if you were a tutor, we realized how obnoxious and stupid it was. <laughs> so we always, you, 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 we always try in the end to replicate the behavior of a, of a, of a really good tutor who's patient right. and, know, mm-hmm. and, and knowledgeable and knows everything about what you've done and is doing their best to help you move forward and be as productive as possible. That is what we're trying to replicate. That's good. So. That's nice. So that's that's what that's what we've been doing. I've been fixing some bugs, but the other thing I was just gonna say is, I've just felt like a little frustrated the last couple of weeks. I felt like I haven't been nearly as productive as I should be, and I think part of it is it's a combination of like you know I have new users coming on board and and communicating with communicating with users and things like that. And that eats up time. Eats up. It's a constant interruption. It but just slows. Th- it, it, I was just gonna. My thought is, people, people just, especially uh, founders who are like paying other devs to build stuff. They don't realize that once it's actually released, it's like your your speed is slowed down exponentially because of everything that you just discussed. Like it's great when there's no users. You could just keep on changing and do swathes of different things, but once you got users, yeah, really slows down. And but then the other thing is. I think I probably, I, I incurred a cost by working as hard as I did for as long as I did, especially for that, like, mm. there was a five or six week period Burnout. that was just absolutely insane. And I think I kind of burned myself out a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, That's sort of what I was alluding to at the beginning of the show. And I was wondering about that. Yeah. It wasn't what I meant. It wasn't like, hey, the last couple of nights I haven't gotten a full night's sleep and I'm kind of like, you know, it wasn't anything like that. It's like a deeper, you know, mm. it's almost like, you know, when you're training in sports, you know, like for people who are like actually like, you know, really competitive athletes, they will go through phases where they're over measured over a months, not just like yeah, weeks or yeah. days. And you go through periods where you're building up and you're, and you're carrying a more and more stress on your body. And then you start tapering off and you have a period of recovery and your body takes your nervous system in particular takes time to recover. And, um, I think, you know, in a situation like this where you're just like, burning it as hard as you can. You have so much stress. Like I said, I had all these intention headaches and my chest was feeling stressed and I felt so guilty that how I were taking more time. It was horrible. And I think that took a big, um, 
that incurred a big cost on my nervous system. And so I'm wondering if maybe that is part of the reason why last, you know, couple, two, three weeks, I haven't felt quite as, as productive. That and the combination of like continual interruptions, you know, having to resolve issues with new users or get them onboarded or answer their questions or whatever. I've been thinking a lot about this recently. Like I, I am like, all out developing essentially at the, I think at the expense of my health. And it's like, I, I just think I need to, to make a shift, you know, do something like say, you know, every day before 12 is just focused on me, like actually being healthy and not hurting myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, because yeah, I just, just, just sit there jamming out code all day long, you know, just focused at, and it's, it's not just, it's not just the expense of my health. It's like at the expense of like, uh, my family and like all sorts of other things like that. So, yeah, no, yeah. it's not good. You gotta, I've you gotta think about this. I mean, yeah. look, there I don't are have periods, a good there are periods like when you're launching software, you have certain things like we had, we had the launch because the start of school year. We just had to. And, and then when every time you're launching stuff to a bunch of users, you're, it's going to suck, but you can't do that for an extended period of time. It's just mm. unhealthy. And, and I don't even think it's the most productive thing. The most productive thing is have a nice, even pace, but have a focus. Like we're trying to get these things launched every, you know, what we call them sprints or milestones or whatever the hell you want to call them so that you're not just kind of messing around. Because a lot of times if you, you can, if you don't have any goals that you're holding yourself to, you don't have any stress at all, you can start just like, well, I'm going to work on this fun, neat little thing, which we've all done a million times where you, you should be working on this. But you convince yourself as you work on this other <laughs> thing because other thing is kind of cool, and then three weeks later you're like, "Why oh, did I even do that? I need to do this other thing," you know? Because mm. you thought the second thing that was kind of cool wasn't going to take three weeks; it was going to take two days. And you thought, and you came up with those rationalizations of why it would be a good thing to work on. But if you actually have some goals and things, then you can keep you on target. So I think you have to have kind of like a a mild, moderate level of of stress. Just from like, I got to get this done. We're trying to hit this, but you know, only a mile, you go at a certain point, and like I said, it becomes healthy, unhealthy. I mean, stress is not bad as long as it's not ex excessive and it's not over excessive period of times. I mean, mm. no stress, I think, is a problem. I mean, I think there's been any of your studies that talk about this. And it's like, mm. you know, it's like athletics, it's like working out. Like, you stress your body to improve. That's, you have that's to have what creates the adapt adaptation. Correct. Yeah, exactly. So, um, speaking yeah. of. I made a couple of comments on on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, but I was like, it was funny. So Jeff Welpley, who's a friend and a texting listener, he's like, and I'm an advisor for his um, company, Get Human. He's like, hey, so let's do a um, let's do a catch up call on Get Human. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we had something scheduled, but I ended up having to reschedule it because Sandy ended up scheduling like a demo with a new user, and and um, and they were trying to find time. And I was like, you know what? Jeff, screw this. I'm not scheduling a call with a friend. Just call me. Just call me. <laughs> Whenever. I mean, I'll probably answer. If I don't, I'll say, hey, let me just finish thing. I'll call you at 10 minutes, right? It's like having things on my, because I realize having things on my calendar stresses me out. Right? It makes you feel tied down. It makes you feel tied down. It makes me feel constrained. And it's like um, when, I, when I see something on my calendar, it's coming up, I can't always focus on what I want to focus on because I know that's coming up. And then, then 20 minutes before it is burned because I'm just anticipating it or even 30 minutes. So, but if I don't know something, someone's going to call, I'm working like nothing's going to happen. And then if they happen to call, they happen to call. 
right? And I'm not stressed about it. And I'm like, oh. That's, that I, I would say that a lot of people in the world feel exactly the opposite. It's like, I'm trying to get some deep work done now. You're calling me right now, you fucker. Like, I don't want you to call me. Schedule this shit, you know? I can imagine people feel exactly the opposite way as well. Well, I can always ignore. I mean, Phil ignores my phone calls all the time. And I know he's <laughs> ignoring me. He's like, no... <laughs> I know he's not sleeping. He's not working out. His girlfriend isn't over yet. So he's literally <laughs> ignoring me. But it's fine. I'll, I'll call. I'll, when I get, when I go to the dog walk, I'll just like randomly call him. And sometimes he picks up and sometimes he doesn't. I'm like, oh, he's probably in the zone. I don't take it personally. Unless, unless he does it two days in a row, two or three days in a row. I'm like, all right, asshole. I'm going to start <laughs> ward dialing you. <laughs> but but um, that's fine. If people call me and I'm busy, I just won't answer and you know i may you know text them back say hey sorry i'll 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 ping you back in a little bit or or whatever i don't you know now you know well, here's the thing nowadays it's like calling somebody now without texting them first is like the equivalent of somebody just coming up and knocking on your door you're mm -hmm. back in the 80s your friends would just come over yeah right nobody called they just show up and be like hey what's up be like, hey man what's up you know they're like wasn't a big wasn't that big of a deal just like someone called you a big deal so, you're like oh so i didn't you know you were coming over you would want Jeff to text you and then call you, or you no. just wanted to call you? Just call I, you. For me, I'm more open. If you're if you're in the friend category, call me whenever you want, <laughs> unless it's after like 11 p.m. In which case, I'm like, dude, why are you calling me at midnight? I'm trying to fall asleep. But I might just turn my phone off anyway. But um, if you're a friend, just call me, and if I can talk, I'll talk, and if I can't, I'll I'll text you back in, in a little bit or whenever, and say, hey, let's, you know, let me let me call you when when in you know half hour or whatever um but i just really it was funny because i was talking to sandy about it my wife for anybody who's a new listener <laughs> i said and she's like yeah i'm totally opposite she's like i like having my day completely scheduled i like knowing what's going to happen and she's like i like to predict for the structure and the predictability mm -hmm. and it's like i am you know because she is one of these she's like researches plans execute with brutal efficiency I do not. I'm kind of like, well, let's just kind of see what happens. You know? So it makes us totally, totally opposite. And I know I drive her a little crazy at times because she's like, well, what are you doing today? I'm like, I don't know. I guess it's um, going to, it's a mystery. I guess we'll see what happens. She's so like, well, you have a demo at four. I'm like, all right, fine. I got a demo. But I, I don't like, I don't like looking up and seeing all these boxes on my calendar. I don't mind if I have, okay, we'll have lunch with Tom on Thursday and... I'm recording texting on Sunday at three. Those are my boxes and one or two others, but I do not want a day with like three or four of these, of these stupid things. I just don't get anything done. I see that uh, you have been talking on Twitter a lot, a lot more, like actually making use of it. I'm just looking at a comment here, um, a discussion about Elixir and Phoenix live view. And, uh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, Mark, you know, Alexa, stop. <laughs> oh, I said, Alexa I said, butt in. I said, Alexa. No, Alexa, stop. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to have to put the mic. Hang on. Let me put the mute on the Alexa. There we go. Yeah. So, um, Alexa Live View, you know who, you know who's an absolute specialist in that? In fact, who has a, tra a course um, where he teaches it and is, is thought of to be one of the, the world's leading, uh, uh, I guess, specialists in Alexa Live who? View. Yeah. Who? Mark. Oh, really? Mark, yes, Mark. He Mark knows Wilbur? it inside out. Mark Wilbur, he trains it. He's built an entire platform out of it. 
so, uh, like a like a framework. Mark so, Wilbur, yeah. who bought yes. a lifetime license to Math Academy. Oh yes, very nice. Who, by the way, is is doing quite well. I'm not say he's he is not a first place out of the eighth graders. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, Mark Wilbur is is very smart. No, very he's very smart. smart. I'm just saying he's like in seventh place. <laughs> he's in. S- I'm just saying with a bunch of eighth graders. It's about the third. No big deal. Yeah, but he's really doing it. He's not going off and Googling stuff. I mean, look, I'm sure if he wanted to, he could, you know, but I'm just, that just shows you how fast some of these kids are blowing through Mm -hmm. it. I mean, I think I mentioned we have a, um, we have a one eighth grader who's who's going to do all of AP Calculus BC. So for anyone who's not an American doesn't know what that means. All of single variable calculus, like two semesters of college level calculus, you can do the entire thing in two months. Nine months of calculus in two months. And then we have a couple of seventh graders who finished all of math two, three, which is already like three years compacted in two months. And they're going to start doing calculus. Like they're, they're literally going to run out of undergraduate math, probably like halfway through end of ninth grade. So I would say that at that time when you are so successful and you have like hundred thousand concurrent users, <laughs> That would be a great time to consider switching to live view. Live view. <laughs> live view. Well, um, and talking with Mark about it as well because he could get you very started. Yeah, so I was talking with my buddy Pat Maddox, who you know he was he's he's like I always thought he was like a Ruby guy. He was one of these Ruby um, sort of. I don't know if he was. Uh, um, what's the word I want to think of? Uh, uh, with somebody who spreads it around, like a, a evangelist, a slut. <laughs> A slut. He was a ruby slut. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. I don't even. <laughs> Good grief! So I guess that's got to be the title of the show. <laughs> Are you a ruby slut? <laughs> ruby slut. <laughs> anyway, go uh, on. So um, he, uh, I hadn't talked to him in in years, and and I I pinged him on when I first jumped on Twitter. I pinged him and. We we find, he actually gave me a call out of the blue um, last which, weekend, which you of course loved. I did. I was like, "What is yeah. up, Matt Pat?" Like, Imagine if you'd you have scheduled it. What an a hole if you'd have scheduled yeah, it, man. Like, hey, let's schedule a cock, <laughs> uh, dude. Are you kidding me? Just call me. And right. so we had a really fun conversation. But like, like literally, of like our third of our hour and a half conversation was about Fina, uh, Elixir and Live View. And he was he was all about it. So I was like, well, he, I'm I'm sure I bet you he knows Mark. He probably even looked at Mark's videos about live view. So for people who don't know, Elixir is like Erlang running in JavaScript, right? So Erlang is like this uh, message passing, fully distributed sort of platform that was developed by Ericsson, um, and, you know, the the phone company, and then our telecom company, and then um, Live View. The impression I get is it sort of like uh, uh, treats client side and server side very similar, like it's one thing. So it sort of fulfills the promise of Meteor. If everybody remember what Meteor was supposed to be mm-hmm. like six or seven years ago, so um, it's supposed to be really cool. I mean, he did say there were some caveats, and you know, you can write it the wrong way in the right way. I, just, I don't think that Elixir is JavaScript. El- Elixir is Erlang. Elixir is a layer on top of Erlang. But it run it now runs in the browser. Yeah, it, it, it has a it has a JavaScript layer, so it like it has a JavaScript layer that's running in the browser that's talking to the Elixir backend that essentially is running on Erlang. Okay, well, whatever runs in the browser has to be ultimate JavaScript, right? Yeah, yeah, right. 
at the end of the, well i mean i guess you could write it as, as web assembly or whatever webasm or whatever yeah no no i'm pr i'm pretty sure it is it's it it on the front end of course it's javascript but i'm just saying on the back end it's erlang essentially okay so all right well, that, anyway. that's what gives it the concurrency because mm -hmm. you know how the Erlang like scales yep. to mm -hmm. millions of concurrence. Yeah, it was on our first episode. You had me at Erlang. So anyway, <laughs> um, I interrupted. Sorry, my bad. Uh, so I don't, I don't remember what, what, what were we going to say. No, I, I interrupted you. What were you going to say? Oh, you were going to say, I don't know what you were going to say. I were dead. You killed the topic. <laughs> oh, nice. God. You just killed it. the whole... <laughs> so well, uh, why don't we... Um, let's, well, let's, well, no, let's... No, no, wait, wait, wait. Just one, one thing. Would you... Would you is there a circumstance where you would consider moving to live view? Right. I'm asking you. I'm sorry, say that again? Is there a circumstance where you would consider moving away from Node to the to Elixir and Live View? <sighs> you know, I, I think I think rewriting it in another language right now would just be a waste of time. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I, I think the gain from those kinds of things, I think if you're starting off from scratch, yeah, it's, it's fine, but you're going to throw, you're going to eat months and months and months of time. You should totally burn it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for what, because it's a little cleaner, it's a little easier to use. It's, it's like, there's nothing that I'm doing that I, is not totally doable with node and vanilla JavaScript. I don't need react. I don't need any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why do you need that? You know, it's like, you may like it better. You might say, well, you know, it allows more consistency, allows this, but this, that's all marginal and it, it pays dividends when you start from scratch, but rewriting an entire project, that's just, that's just a way to just kill, kill the project. I've done it. I've done it. We're trying to rewrite a project in their language, even one that you know. It's just, it's just almost always a bad idea. The only times I think you need, you would do that. I mean, there, I'm sure there are other people come with other other, you know, rationales. But I think the primary one being like it just cannot scale for certain reasons, or there's certain libraries that we have to have, and there's zero way to interoperate in some other way, or or the project is still relatively immature, and it's, we're not going to be rewriting a ton of code or something. I just think it's mm. a, uh, there's a huge cost to rewriting another language. So you know, the only thing that your users care about is if the damn thing works. They don't know if it's written in <laughs> PHP or Perl or Ruby or Elixir or whatever. They do not care. What they want is a good user experience. And that's what the company's about, right? Now, you could argue, it's like, well, you know, if we do in this cutting edge tech, then we can get more cutting edge developers and stuff. What I would say is maybe, maybe, you know, you may not really need to do that. You may be able to get some plenty um, of, of, of sophisticated talent developers who'd be happy to work on whatever tech is going to move the needle. They don't, it doesn't have to be in the, in rust and, or, you know, I was thinking whatever. like there, there is no reason for me to learn anything other than PHP because people keep on coming out with modules that essentially do all the, what, what the cool kids stuff do. Like for example, Swool, which essentially is, um, uh, Elixir. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, <laughs> Over time, I mean, it's just they just keep on bringing this super cool new there's stuff into the ecosystem. Nothing that I'm, there's literally nothing I'm <laughs> doing right now that I couldn't do with PHP. Right. There's nothing. Right. I mean, I mean, now the reason I'm using Node is because I just got used to using it when mm -hmm. I was working with Uber, and the reason we use Uber is because we needed a real-time system. We had mm, yeah. we had a, a a a process that had drivers and clients and trips live that weren't continually hitting the database because these client apps were hitting the server every four seconds. 
right? And back then, there was nothing in PHP that really handled mm. that. Another is. Node. Yeah, yeah now there is, but that came years later. That yeah. did not exist in 2010, 2011. So that's why we did that. Um, so you had a, a proper business case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes I mean, sense. It was I mean, not a proper technical case. We had a technical reason that we needed to do it. It was either going to be in Node or maybe like in Java or something like that. And I was like, I, I think it no. And back then, Java had gotten so uh, overcomplicated with all the EJB kind of stuff. And it was kind of a mess uh, at that at those in those years. And I didn't have any interest in doing that. So um, Node was knows what I picked. And it would turn out to be a really, really good solution for the scale, what we were hmm. at. For, and, and, and for years, it was it was a really good. But Sweet. Anyway, so um, <laughs> let's uh, let's hear about uh, morning brief. Yeah, morning brief. So, an update on morning brief. Um, well, if you remember the last time um, I was working on, well, we were working on building those free lists. So, if you go to morningbrief.ai, there is a fair amount of uh, the free list there. Stuff like um, code, um, crypto, frameworks. Uh, what I'm calling deep tech, which has stuff like serverless, as suggested by you, sir. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> robotics, uh, virtual reality, quantum computing, just interesting stuff like that. Um, but as I was going through the, the free list, I had this little um, one of the... I've got them all split up by panels on the homepage, and one of the panels I had was startups. So I was moving through... Okay, code, right. It's easy mm -hmm. to do Go, it's easy to do Haskell, because it's basically keyword-based. Mm -hmm. So obviously Go being Golang. So the, the tagger that's, that's sort of parsing in the millions of links and tagging stuff uh, for Morning Brief, Goldfinger, um, it does a really great job with something like Go or PHP or Haskell or something that's super keyword-based, iPhone, stuff like that. Then when I got to the, creating the free list of the startup stuff, I want, my first one I wanted to do was Indie Founder. So that started to present problems because there's nothing... There's no contextual tag of an indie founder, you know. So we have um, the tags that I have to pull from, the, the data streams that I have to pull from are software as a service, startup company, entrepreneurship, um, those those types of tags. I mean, bootstrapping, so, that's, that's a more... But bootstrapping has no link flow within our system because the tagger doesn't know, the, the, the tagger that we're using third-party service doesn't know what bootstrapping is it doesn't tag stuff as bootstrapping okay so we so we have to go with whatever whatever the third-party system is which brings me to another point there's going to be a time where we circle back and just build our own build our own system that's yeah well i mean look that's that's what happens you get off the ground using imperfect incomplete or whatever tech and then eventually you build your own because you just can't but in the meantime doesn't work well it, enough. i got super frustrated and saw that you know out of the thousands of links that are coming in for startup company or entrepreneurship or software as service, there, it, there are a certain set of links that clearly are excellent links for an indie founder. So I went down the path of revisiting my spam days mm -hmm. and I basically built a Bayesian classifier to go oh, ahead. Look at you. And, um, yeah, right. And I, it, well, I didn't build the, the classifier code. I obviously got a library, but I just went and did the, you know stuff oh, okay. that I already okay. stuff that I already knew how to do. And I did actually end up hacking their classifier because it didn't quite work the way that I wanted it to do. Okay. So um, anyway, it, it it was very powerful um, to do that and to 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 pull just the things out of those lists that we want based on that kind of just naive basing classification. It was 
it, it really, I think it sort of helped myself and Joe think about the next level of the, of the product um, to this sort of like a refining layer, you know, like this mm -hmm. refining layer that can help us uh, create the, the real meaning that we want to from these larger category tags. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in our discussions, we're like, okay, now, <clears throat> now what we think we're going to do, you know, now what we are doing is we're going to create this refining layer and then that's going to create essentially new tags. So there's going to be an indie founder tag on the system, but it's okay. going to be created by our layer, which is layered on top of the other stuff. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. And as Joe points out, like once we've got, once we've, we've sort of created like, you know, a couple of hundred of our own tags, there's going to be so many, such a big rules-based system that we're going to just go ahead. All right, screw this. Now we're just going to rebuild the stack from the ground. It's, it's going to be faster to rebuild the, the first part of the stack. But for the moment, we're just uh, tweaking. Okay, the... so okay, so that's the tech side. From the business side, though, um, I mean, ultimately what you want to do is you want to get a bunch of people in each one of those categories of verticals subscribing, right? So you want to hit Reddit. So basically what you want to do is you want to replicate Reddit's subreddit issue, but it's like they are newsletters instead of forums. I think that is okay. true. And and we did, we did do... Um, uh some marketing tests um with that and with reddit and um, you said it won't work that's we talked about that too so you said it actually worked pretty well right oh did i did we talk about it on the show yes yes you sat at the top it was like top oh yeah of cool, the thing. cool yeah, right? yeah. Okay, okay, okay so here's the question why aren't you doing that now why are you messing around with tech why don't you just go and and um pick 10 different categories that are not all in the exact same sort of area pick something i'm like you know i don't know crypto like and, and, and you know nfts or something something about like you know um apple products or whatever you know and and and, and just go there i mean you know who started you know those sort of um was that jason calacanis with like in gadget and autoblog and he had all these blogs and these cat and these certain categories mm. sold, it, sold the whole thing to i don't know who was aol or something for a ton of money but he that's what they did and i think you could do the same thing with the newsletter approach but here's my question is why don't you just go do that instead of fussing with the tech instead of trying to spend a lot of time getting really really detailed to just get really good newsletters and then while you're building up your free um, subscribers to each one of those areas then you can you can spend time kind of messing around with fine-tuning customized i would say in things. this specific issue the reason why uh specifically here in this case is because um I really wanted to to get the startup section filled up, so I wanted I wanted that to be on the homepage before Why? going for like a big blog post because well for example Indie Hackers was going to be the first the first place that we posted to. Why? And so I don't have. A See, good here's what I think. I think answer. here's what I think. I think I think that's a waste of time. I think you're. I think you're. I think if I was like on your board. If was your advisor, I'd say quit messing around with that stuff. Those are small markets anyway. Go hit these other verticals that you can hit now with the current tech. Go do this. Go do something on like, you know, people who like cars. Do something on people who like video, uh, you know, first-person shooters or people who like, you know, whatever. And then just hit those. Whatever the tech will generally support and start building up those user bases i mean i know you personally like indie hackers and you like startup and like who cares right you are doing a you are doing a startup you don't have to have a newsletter on startups like you, that's what you're doing so 
but make this so successful. just go with the just go with the the ones that are easy that don't require any fine tuning so the yeah. ones that the tags that already work on the system just go with those yeah and i would go after really established verticals anything that has like a popular magazine for right there are magazines on cars right there are people really interested in cars okay let's just say there are things that are really big on fashion there are things that are really big on this like go hit those major ones because guess what there's already a huge audience for them right there's a huge audience you could use subreddits you could use I mean, you know, some of the stuff you just you literally go to the bookstore and then make a note and say, oh, well, where all the biggest magazines are and how, how what a subscri- I wonder what the subscriber list are all these different magazines. So if there's a magazine, there's probably a, a big market there. And then just go and find out which one of those can you support your tech and then just start building those. Well, remember that um, that experiment that we did with subreddit, which was Python, mm-hmm. and it did really well and it stayed on the top of Python mm-hmm. all day and we got a decent amount of subscribers for the yeah. Python thing. Well, we continued to try that test with multiple other channels. Okay. And guess how many it worked with? Didn't work? None. It Why? just worked with, I have no idea. And uh, I especially had a lot of hope for the cryptocurrency one, which is um, a very, very busy Reddit. Um, usually has around a million people on it at any one time. And just for different reasons. First of all, it was really, really hard to get a post onto the Reddit that the moderators didn't just auto-moderate off. And then when I finally did get a post, just it just it got a certain amount of traffic. But I mean, we we basically got um, let me look at my amount here, twenty twenty signups uh, from that. So what so what I realized was um, from a lot of hard work on Reddit that that is not going to be that that's not going to be some some scaling function for us. So we're going to need to do something different. Okay. If we if if we're sort of focusing on the the free list space, but there is um a, I wouldn't say a pivot, but just like a a sort of a reconfirmation of the custom type thing that we're thinking about, and I'd like to take, like to pitch that to you. See what you think. Uh, uh, okay. I, I think you're going to be skeptical, but that's okay. Okay, um, go ahead. So so what um it turns out, in my opinion, the actual creation of those lists in that tech is actually quite good because it helps me believe that we can cater to the to the custom brief market like in a way before like for example in creating a brief for you i didn't really believe we could do something like that until that that tech had been done mm-hmm. so i do believe now that we can we can create that brief because we i sat down and tried to create your brief but the problem is is you're looking for such specific stuff yeah you know like you're saying i want stuff about product you know, about product, uh, what was it? Product, uh, uh, product growth. Oh, product-led growth. Product-led growth and, you know, different different things. And so there, there is no tag for those things. Or, well, there are tags, but it's like one link every two months. You know what I mean? Like they don't really understand that it's in and amongst the link flow. So, I, so anyway, long story short, and I'm not being very eloquent here as usual, but long story short, it's when we realize that there is a way of uh, giving someone like you that kind of a brief. So what I would like to do is to um, circle back up, because we were talking about the free end. I would like to circle back up to the paid end. And I, what I'm interested in talking to is uh, C-suite teams. So CEOs and CMOs and CFOs and the whole team. And essentially the idea of selling Morning Brief to them as a, as a team. So in a sense, you're like a market intelligence. So it's like... 
you know how like the president gets a secure daily security briefing, right? So you'd be sort of a thing. It's like okay, so here here is could be all their competitors or in their space or whatever, whatever important information they need about their space, um, curated and um, you know the whole you know the whole job to be done thing, jobs no. to be done. Have you you haven't heard no. of that? Mm-mm. So jobs to be done is like okay, what is the job that you're doing? Like this is from Clayton, Clayton uh, uh, Christensen. From, yeah. Um, it's like, what? what is the job that you're doing? So in my mind, the job is like, imagine hiring a chief of staff who deeply knows you and your team, and their only job is to create daily briefings for each team member. And so, but not, but not only that, also, as I was discussing with Joe, we realized, wait, this could be kind of cool for the team because as well as having their individual stuff, you could also have a, a little section in the brief that's about the kind of topics that they shoot the shit about. So basically everyone's getting in their inbox an email that caters to them specifically their mm-hmm. their real interests maybe mm-hmm. they're interested in woodworking or whatever their company so like some some you know maybe competition or different things that are going in their company and then also a little team section that's like okay this is what the team regularly talks about they talk about this baseball team they talk about that so you know just a, a way to help the team bond as well mm-hmm. um so that's that's what i want to explore um because I think that might be a faster way to monetization. Because what we've realized is it is going to be a long, slow grind to build those free lists. Okay. So so back to some more B2B. Yeah. Instead of B2C. I'm thinking that. I want, I'm, I want to explore that. That is that, totally opposite because you were going free B2C <laughs> advertising. Now you're going to go to B2B. Like, totally, talk about going the opposite. Jeez. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But, no, but, but that's fine. Look, that's fine. I mean, you're you're you're... <laughs> pivoting around you're trying to find out what the exactly. business is exactly i get it now i think the key is did you know is you got to go really talk to these people you got to talk to and not to three and not and they well, can't this is be, the yeah. this is the other great thing is through through my relationship with um my my context i know a lot of a, a lot of people who are like that who run companies and so through true space i mean the only thing that they do is they have like a couple of hundred members and all, each member is essentially a company of C-suite teams. So are you so, going to set up an interview and talk to them individually, or are you going to do well, a survey I'm gonna, or something? Uh, yeah, well, in the first, uh, basically, I've got my my layers of people. So first of all, I'm going to build building a pitch deck. Then I'm going to go and speak to my first guy who has done nothing but sell to C-suite teams for the last 20 years. Okay. I'm going to speak to him. And then after after seeing what he thinks and getting his input on the pitch deck, then I'm going to take it to the next person up who, you know, and I'm going to, and then I'm going to start speaking to C-suite teams. Does that well, make sense? I, th- I think, um, I think it's a really good idea to talk it, to that guy because he's going to have a lot of experience knowing how to yeah. close deals with C-suite. What, what to say, what not to say. He's going to say, look, they're not going to have a lot of time. You're going to yeah. need to get their interest early and you're going to, otherwise you're going to lose them. You, da, 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 you know, okay. I think um, one of the things that I would uh, sort of just remind yourself when you're in there is don't push a solution super hard, like push, you know, present the solution, what you want to do, but then really ask what right. they would pay for. Not who they think anyone would pay, where the market, what do you want? What's your problem? Yeah. Do you even have an information problem? I agree. They may not. They may, they may, you might talk to 10 and say, look, look, Justin, we don't really have an information problem, in which case then you'd really think things. If they're like, yeah, we do have an information problem. Um, what, 
either I don't get enough of the right information, I don't get it in time, or it's not summarized in a way that I can digest it or prioritize in a way that I can digest it and make the right kind of decisions, et cetera. So, so what I would do is spend a lot of time exploring what, what their information problem is, help them characterize what the problem is. And um, I wouldn't ask them, as I say, don't ask the customer for a solution. Usually customers have crappy solutions. Don't get into that discussion. Don't brainstorm with them. Would you like this? Would you like that? Just say what, try and find out what is their pain point? What's their information problem? And then after you've done that with enough of them, then you and um, sorry, you and Joe can can sit back and, and think about, okay, what, okay, we, 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 we think we, we think we see the problem. There's two, there's two sets of problems. There's three sets of problems, three groups. And let's see if we can come up with a something. I think that that's I think that's where I would do if I was you. If yeah, you're building so a bunch, but a lot more. I wouldn't spend too much time building. I would it's almost explore. the it's almost the, it's almost what you said. Um, but the slight difference is is that we have what I'm going to be going to with the guy is um, a pitch deck that has that that has the pitch is an idea, and I want to see what his feedback is. And if if his feedback is basically no this is bullshit then i think i would do what you just said which is basically go in with nothing and say hey we've got this amazing data source what do you want us how can we help you um but if he comes back and says yes that really makes sense then i do think that we should at least try actually pitching that to and a should, few and people that's what pricing how much would be too much and how much would be too exactly. little the whole pricing exactly. yeah you know i can't remember what it's called the pricing model where you're trying to get some pricing are they like oh we'd pay a hundred dollars a month we'd pay 30 bucks or wouldn't pay anything for it. So you got to find out where, what the, because just because they want it doesn't mean they're willing to pay enough to make a business out of it. For that me. is a very, very good point. And so, and can I send you that pitch deck once I got it done? Sure. Just to get your feedback. Sure. sure. Your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll say it sucks, but I'll say. <laughs> Tell you right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so that's sort of where we're at. Um, I mean, I know we've, we've been kind of flip-flopping, but we're just trying to get closer to this what is the real, you know, it's a tech pro, it's, it's looking for a, solu a solution, looking for a problem. And we're just trying to get closer to that, that problem. I, I genuinely yeah. think we've got, to, we're going to find something good. Um, and I think this is a good direction in my opinion. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always, it is tough. Right? With technology looking for a problem is always a harder, a harder, or looking for a market is always a harder thing. That's why it's like, if, yeah, I, anyway, as much as you can flip that around and go find the actual pain points and then you can sort of connect them up as mm -hmm. opposed to going and trying to say, is this what you want? And they're like, no. Is this what you want? No. Like, what do you want? <laughs> you know, what is your pain? You know, what is your information pain? Because, you know, that's why, I, I, that's why I'm a little hesitant or a little skeptical of the, we have this great data source, what should we do with it? I wouldn't even do that. I'd say, what is your information problem? What do you not know? Do you not know enough of? Do you not know it soon enough? Is it is it you're not sure it's accurate? And the, the people aren't seeing it. What is your information problem? And um, I would just I would keep it at that and see. Maybe somebody will tell you some things that you'll be like, "Holy crap, Joe! I just think I just hit upon the real problem." And these guys will pay a lot for this. You know, but if you go on too hard and you say, we got all these Twitter feeds and we're tagging stuff, we're tagging stuff off Twitter, man. What do you want off Twitter and Reddit? We're tagging it. He'd be like, I don't know. Well, you know what I mean? Like I, I would, I'm just, I'm, I'm teasing you, but I just wouldn't, I wouldn't. It's not even close to what I would present, but. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm just, but I'm saying that I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't push solution more than your initial one. I would really try and as much as possible. If if they're not initially really biting hard on what you're proposing, then I would take a step back and then say, okay, look, we're trying to solve an information problem. If this isn't that, take, if you had to hmm. characterize your information, what is I agree it? with that. Yeah. I agree with that. And how big of a problem it is it? Because they might say, well, I don't know, man. They might have a hard time characterizing and they may not feel like they have an information problem. They might have other problems that they really are in their in their head. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah. So we'll, 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 I guess we'll hear more in two weeks. So That's when right. is this happening? Is this going to start happening in the next couple of weeks or what, what's the... Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been trying to think through the, the, the pitch deck and sort of how to do it. And, um, and we'll, I've, I've got like the beginnings of the, of the sort of structure of it. And I'll be working through that with Joe tomorrow and also Torsten. I'm working with him. You know, it's um, funny. I was thinking about Thorsten the other day, yeah. Because I went to uh, I went to Houston's with, for the buddy of mine for dinner, mm-hmm. and right. of course, the last time I saw him was when three of us had dinner there, like I don't know, four years ago or three years ago. What's he doing? Is he still doing like his he's, carpool? Yeah, thing he's, or he's still doing the same. He w- he went back to Germany for quite an m- amount of time, um, but he's he's still doing the same thing. Yeah, not no no real change on his part. Okay, but he's he's been so like. Even though he hasn't turned his twine thing, you know, his uber competitor into a success, <laughs> he 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 has been in the middle of like pitch deck, you know, creation and and, con- and consumption and investors and tech meetups and stuff like that ever since we met him, like all Jesus the time. Christ. So there's there's some amount of like learning and knowledge that he has from that, at least from the pitch deck. Well, here's the question and the marketing why do you need a pitch deck for this? Why can't you just have a conversation and then... I'll, t- I'll tell you why, because I'm, I'm really thinking um, about TrueSpace. Um, I spent a year working with TrueSpace and observed how Charles Fred and uh, Jamie Fred worked with, with companies. And I saw what works and what's successful and how they managed to, to nail a product that, that, that no one really... Th- you wouldn't go, oh, they really need that. And they, they just did a really good job. And so I want to try and apply some of those principles. That's the reason why. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Based on learning. <laughs> Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up, what do we got? Well, oh, I got. That, I got. I got no, see. I don't. I don't have anything else. I mean, just whatever, whatever okay. links you've got, Let's whatever, see. whatever stuff well, you want to talk about. I was gonna say. So, um, so right now we're in middle of college application hell. For Colby. Okay. So. <laughs> Is he still like, I don't know, man. What a, yeah, pretty much. Know. You know, it's got to be funny. <laughs> it's got to be uh, kind of trippy for our listeners because they've been, when I first started tar- gonna, uh, talking about Colby on the show, he was literally like five years old. Yeah. In 2009, right? He was five. And I was just, you know, early days of like teaching him, showing him how to, you know, got to line of code or catalyst we did that back and they were like in fourth and fourth grade and third yeah, grade. they were seven at that point right that you so you were even talking about him earlier like when oh i was doing some stuff but i went to start catalyst i think catalyst started i think colby was in uh in uh fourth grade I think well, how old is that grade. fourth i don't know eight or nine something like that yeah little, yeah right yeah little, something so like there, that. Was, there was some some time where it wasn't even about that it was more about uh you're talking you're talking about ideas to get him motivated like what was it like 
was there was there money involved or something some some different motivation strategy i can't remember what it was oh it was well, that's like a completely different thing well colby that, you know, we, yeah. we used economic incentives because colby never cared about <laughs> you know he wasn't motivated by like you know, gold stars and you know right. he wanted money cash money <laughs> earliest days <laughs> so the way we motivated like potty training and all that kind of stuff was cash money colby's like i got to get paid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was that? I, remember, I, I remember. Oh, on, yeah. I remember talking to a Caltech, a, an economist. I was at I was at the park with Colby when he's like, you know, I don't know, little, let's call it seven or something. And I was, you know, pushing him on the swing, and the guy next to me was pushing his kid, and he turned out to be a uh, an economist at Caltech. And I was joking with him, telling him about how Sandy's strategy of using paying him a dollar every time he did X or Y or whatever. And I said, well, you know, um, you know, some people get look, look askance at this kind of thing. He's like, Oh no, I love it. That's great. Incentives, you know? And so, but it all worked. Kobe was, Kobe's motivated by cash and it always, it, it allowed us to very quickly set up, establish the right habits. And of course, did he weaned right off him. It wasn't like, well, you have to pay him for the rest of his life. It's like, no. That, did he ever happen. try and like up the ante? Did he ever say, look, you know what? You gave me one buck last time. No, I'm only going to do it if you give me two bucks. Hey, inflation, people. There's inflation. <laughs> we live in the real world. I need $2 now. How am I going to pay my people? No. <laughs> no. Uh, no. There was, I mean, usually this stuff lasted like, you know, on the order of like a month or two, right? There's some new habit you're trying to establish, whether it's mm. body training or it's, you know, not not messing around in class and getting in trouble or whatever it was, you know, Sandy, Sandy would pay him. But anyway, that, that was totally separate than, than Catalyst. I mean, Catalyst, we were just trying to teach them the concept of what a computer program was. Remember I created this sort of like, I, I remember. Yeah. And they, but they lost the information really fast. The, you know, the, the, well, the problem, they couldn't part, remember it. The problem the was that stuff. once a week. Yeah. Once a oh, week yeah, isn't you, enough. If we were doing it every day, it could have. Could I have said, stuck. you know, if we could, if we could do this like three days a week or whatever. Of course, it was just absolutely exhausting. It was but just, would it have really made much of a difference, like to to his coding abilities now? Yeah, I I don't. I'm not sure that. You know, it was fun. They loved it. Colby yeah. loved it. He still taught things yeah. about. It. He's like, oh, it was so much fun. Those kids loved yeah. it. And so that was good. They they loved learning to code, and they loved playing around with that stuff. So that was that's all. When you you you. You get this into kids' um, brain about just associating sort of psyche. with fun. Yeah, yeah, this is yeah. fun. I like this. Like that's great. And um, mm. you know, they did learn about how code generally works and stuff like that. And but um, you know, he 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 learned more and more. You know, he was in that robotics class, and they were learning robot C and stuff. And then he started doing the App Academy class where they were doing basic JavaScript and stuff, which was a little was too basic for him. But the, what he did do, which worked, he was taking he took um, two of these summer class camp or classes in Java, which he learned a fair amount in, which I thought mm-hmm. was pretty good. I and mean, they did, mm-hmm. I did a really good job there. So I don't know if really doing code earlier than like sixth, seventh grade is really a um, I mean, you know, you don't have to, I mean, you could become a great coder, not learn until college for Christ's sakes, but yeah, um, yeah. You know, it's not like you have to do it. Uh, you know, it's like, Oh my God, it's never going to be any good if they don't learn it by the time they're 15 or 17 or 20. I mean, you know, we, there's plenty of pe- uh, examples of people who became world-class coders who changed the entire trajectory of computer science and didn't really do anything until they were in their twenties or something or yeah. even older. But, but if they, you know, it's, it was a fun thing to do with them as a parent. It was fun to connect with them on it. You know, that stuff is all great. 
Um, anyway, so we're um, we're doing the whole college thing. One of the things I got to do is I got to go kind of review some of his applications and maybe make a recommendation here or there or whatever. But he's um, about what to change or emphasize or whatever. But um, he's applying to uh, two schools. He's applying to early are uh, let's see, University of Chicago, which is where Sandy and I went, and Carnegie Mellon which is, or he's doing early decision, which is like, if he gets in, he has to go there. Hmm. You know, it's the number one computer science program in the country. Wow. Well, according, I mean, look, MIT, Stanford, Berkeley, I mean, these are all amazing. So, I mean, you know, which one is first doesn't really matter, but they're all right in that range of just being truly excellent. Um, So it'll be really hard to get in there. So I don't know if he's really, I mean, it's, it's a reach. You know, anything that's like, because what I've, what I've discovered is even schools that are like not super hard to get into, like University of Washington, you know, I think it has like an acceptance rate. I've seen things in like the 15 to 20% range acceptance rate, but it's like a 4% acceptance rate rate for uh, computer science. Hmm. Okay. So always that is, yeah. Yeah. At, um, same thing, Carnegie Mellon, it was like overall, it was like a 15% acceptance rate, but it was like 6 or 5% for for um, computer science. So it's really hard to get computer science. I was talking to um, Adam Weirman, who's the he's the former chair of the math department at, um, at uh, or the applied math department at Caltech, and he's on our board for Math Academy. And he said like half the students at Caltech are computer science majors. Half. Mm. There you go. Half, half the entire undergraduate in computer science. That's insane. And I said, I said, much to the chagrin of the physics professors, he's like, oh, you have no idea how, <laughs> how frustrated they are. I was looking at, um, how did I get there? Something from my morning brief about Elon Musk. Um, and I ended up on the Forbes one, uh, top 500 list. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man. Half you of know, them were math majors like almost the top, the, like almost everyone in the top 10 is like technology. It's tech, you know, and a lot of there's, them are math majors, actually. Yeah, there's like a couple that are like just, just, just some randos that are like, you know, like Louis Vuitton, mm-hmm. that type of thing, yeah, you know, yeah. old money. But wow, technology stands for a lot. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, what's funny. I go, um, <laughs> I was talking to Colby. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll I, I said, you know, I said something about, I said, you know, after college, he started to do his own story. He's like, no, that's for nerds. I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? You are a nerd. Like, what do you think you are? <laughs> you crazy kid. I think he was just trying to be a, I don't know. I don't, trying to be I a smart ass? I don't know if he was being silly. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, uh, I, I don't know why he wouldn't want to do a startup. But anyway, I was like, why would you not? Like, why, if you're early 20s, would you not do a startup? He's so much more fun than that just could a be. That somewhere. could be the thing that, like, the, there's, like, this friction between dad and son. You're like, why aren't you in a startup, son? Why aren't you doing a startup? No, I'm going to work like, at a big company. <laughs> you are not working at a big company. He's You're like, no, I want to do a comic. No, no, I, that, you'd love that if you wanted to do like a graphic novel or something crazy like that. Well, he's, but yeah, not, he's worst, not creative like that, so it really surprised me. I'm like, that's not going to work. <laughs> what would be the worst thing like that he could do in your mind? I don't know. It's pretty far away down, right? A lot yeah. of bad thing. You know, there's like, I don't know, get addicted to drugs. No, I don't know, go no, to jail. I don't, like, I don't that's pretty mean, bad. I, no, I don't mean like anything like that. I mean like, just like, you know, some sort of low level intern for, for IBM or something. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> I would hate it if he did something that he wasn't really excited about. 
Right. Okay. And like, yeah. do something you want to do. And that's all I care about. It's like, I tell my kids, like, I want you to be happy and I want you to do, I want you to, to do something you find meaningful and that you're passionate about, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to make, it doesn't have to be about making a lot of money or becoming famous or any of that crap. All it has to do is something that you think this is meaningful work and I enjoy it and I feel good about it and I want to do it. Great. What I don't want to do, what I hope is that you don't have be in a situation where it's a grind and you hate it and you don't want to, you know, that's like, there's no reason to do that. You're, you guys are in a lucky enough situation that you don't really have to do that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it was funny. So I don't really know what he wants to do, although I was telling him, so Sandy and I have been sort of pushing the idea of maybe him taking a year off after high school. Yeah. Have we talked about this in the show before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that concept. Yeah. So maybe that, cause you know, we've talked, he, you know, he wants to play football or that's, so he can spend a year and just train and grow. He's, he's a year young anyway. So it's like, it would really be a benefit if he took a year and, um, maybe got a job coding, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. what I talked about, what he could do if I end up hiring somebody who, uh, 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 you know, whether it's this other guy, this guy or somebody else at some point or whatever ends up happening where Colby could work as an intern under them. Because I don't want Colby working directly for me. I think that's probably a mistake. Jason Robertson's sons. Yeah, that's a mistake. I don't think, I mean, a lot of people to get a job that like they're, you know, I mean, a lot of guys who work for their dad or whatever, but you don't work directly for your dad, right? Like that's, you work at the company under somebody yeah, else. Like my buddy Tom, he's, he has a, a fulfillment company and his um, his son took a year off because of the pandemic and was working out at the warehouse and they have big logistics, you know, they have warehouses all over the place. And he'd call his dad. He's like, dad, this is inefficient. And he's like, did you talk to Mike? Don't call me. I'm the CEO. Talk to your boss. Talk to Mike, right? You need to talk to him. Don't call me about this. You know, and that's, and that's exactly what you, you want, right? You want to you want a level or two of indirection where you can just talk to the person. Hey, listen, don't give him any. Don't <laughs> take it easy on him. Make him do hard work. Hold him accountable. You know, you know, make him make him learn. You know, no free passes. Um, so I don't know that 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 could be a possibility, but you know, it, it 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 all depends. I mean, that depends on a lot of factors. But maybe he would get a job. There's a friend of mine who um, has a has a um, company who said he might that he he'll probably get work there next summer but i don't know but i'm thinking i'm taking a year off but anyway it's funny i was talking to my my youngest early last night and she's the ambitious one she's like dad i want to learn about the stock market because i want to have money and i don't want to have to depend on anybody else and i want to start investing now and she did all this research on the stock market and all this stuff and she's like i either want to be an astrophysicist an architect what was the third thing? Astrophysicist, architect, or or run her own business. Wow, she's, and she also she wants to be an Olympic, like... and she also wants to be an Olympic gymnast. So she's a she's oh a really my gosh, competitive gymnast. That's good. She's got a few different uh, desires. Well, she's like, Dad, I want to go to UCLA because UCLA is like one of the top gymnastics programs in the country, right? And I'm like, well, <laughs> that's pretty hard, right? Um, but. Uh, it's fun talking to her, funny talking to her about it because she's still like, you know, eighth grade. And, and But she's really <laughs> serious. She's like, she was she was asking about dressing and she was asking the whole Tesla story, about the whole Tesla story. <laughs> and I said, well, that was that was sort of an outsized uh, event. Uh, I said, but, I said, this is what I would suggest. 
in trading. I wouldn't trade. I would invest. And I, I think the key is to find companies that you think are really. <laughs> this is you, you talking to your eight-year-old daughter? <laughs> not eight. Eighth grade. She's 14. Oh, eighth grade. 13. Okay. She's eighth grade. She's 13. 13. And I said, I said, whatever products or things that you think are great, invest in those. Mm. Mm. That's yeah. smart. And I said, and then what we can do is we can help try and identify smaller companies that might, they're going to be risky or you could lose your money. But you really believe in, then people don't understand how great they are. Maybe some thing make you make some something that you use, invest in them. And I was like, um, I say, but now with like Robinhood and stuff, you can buy fractional shares. I said, you can have spread. I said, and she's like, yeah, you want? She's like, you want to? You don't want to just invest in one company, invest in a bunch. And I'm like, that's right. It's called diversification. So she had done her, done her homework. So anyway, I think she's squared away. I'm not worried about early at all. She's gonna be. She's gonna be fine. I hate to do this, but uh, you got to move on with your life. There, I, I do think so because um, there's there's just a lot going on. Everyone's just walked through the door. Kids running down the stairs all the time. Cat is jumping on me. No worries. Like... I'm basically I'm basically <laughs> out of material. Oh, I was gonna say. Yeah. So we finally started watching the boys. Have you seen the boys? Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. I just we just watched the last of the first episode last night, and that was great. So. If you so check it out. Uh, I think it's good. I mean, people have been talking. I mean, it's not like it's a big surprise. People have been talking about that. It being a really, it, it's about superheroes, but I think the superheroes are just like regular people in the sense that they are not highly, always very highly ethical and yeah, all that kind of yeah, stuff. exactly. Yeah. They, in fact, they may not be ethical at all. Um, and uh, there's a bunch of them, you know, it looks really, it looks really good. The first episode was great. So um, that's awesome. I'll check it out. Yeah. We check out. You got anything, any recommendations on the movie? TV series. No man, I've run dry. I've I've gone through a lot of the oh, man, I watched I watched Krypton, uh which is like a I'm oh, just wow. going through the sort of the the CW universe, what? you know. Dude, did you listen have you look, okay, have you watched Goliath yet? <laughs> no, I haven't watched Goliath. Well, I, I, I see these things because I'm I don't want to get into anything that's like too serious or heavy or something. Why? That, like, if it's good. super obsesses me. So I'm staying away from there's two things that you've mentioned, Bosch and Goliath. Well, you're, that's, like, you're making that's a huge mistake because they're both. I'm really like, good. okay, I'm going to get into them one day because I know that they're going to be really, really ha- deep and hardcore, but I'm just not right, ready right yet. God. Okay, fine. Um, Atypical is good. It's on Netflix. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, I've heard of that. That's good. Seen. Watch it. My Airly loves that one, so I watch that with her. <laughs> so that's good. It's nice. All right, so we done here? I think so. All right, that's a wrap. Well. Wow.